already. That second song, I just love that second song because it just sort of builds up my testimony. And um, yeah, so I got upset then. So what am I going to be like by the end of the day? I don't know. Well, upset is the wrong word. Emotional. I'm emotional because I can see God in my life and I can see Him moving in my life. And I'm just overwhelmed. I'm just overwhelmed by what He's done for me. So that's where I come from. I think if I was to sum up my time in Beacon, I would say it was a bit like a toffee in a wrapper. Um, the, the wrapper on the outside is all sparkly and, and nice. And then when you undo it, so it's like the lovely bit of the sweet. And then when you undo it, there's the hard bit in the middle. But then <laughs> if you were to wrap the sweet back up, then you would get back to the loveliness. So it's, a bit, it's, a bit, so it's, it's like in three stages, really. So I think back to the early days of Beacon and I think I was thinking about the, um, how exciting it was being in something from the beginning and how innocent we all were. We were on this great adventure. We were going to be different than anybody else. We didn't want to be like all the churches that we'd come from. We were very naive. <laughs> um, and, and we were like living out of each other's pockets. We, you know, we were in and out of each other's houses all the time and... And everything revolved around this South Central Church, which didn't have the name Beacon in those days. And, um, and it was just a, a very exciting time to be. We had um, a community centre in Tulse Hill, which is where we first met George, um, when we did like a, a, a sort of open day thing and sort of fun day in, in the, in the uh, estate. But um, we used to meet on a Sunday evening. We used to meet in the little back room and just really seek God for his presence. And what was really strange, I don't know if anybody, any of you, you older guys were there then, but sometimes the, the main hall would be used for a party and there was like this smell of uh, weed going around the place <laughs> and we would be in the back room and sort of like they were getting high on weed and we were getting high on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and it just seemed really wacky that that's, you know, sort of what we would be doing. And I remember we were sort of like, uh, we went away to this place that was owned by um, a couple that worked uh, that went to HTB and they were count and countess somebody and uh, they'd got this big mansion in these big grounds and they let us have a part of the, of the, the mansion and it was this stately building and we were like running around playing sardines in it <laughs> and sort of silly things like that. And there was this one moment where um, we were singing about and at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and let it rain, let it rain and it was absolutely pouring down outside and we were running out into the rain and we were just dancing in the rain and there was this, just this innocent naivety about just excitement for God and they were like really exciting and um, yeah, in their very naive days <laughs> we were out to change the world for Jesus, you know so that's what it was like and um, it was really exciting, and it's, it's great to be in something from the beginning. It's jolly hard work, let me tell you. Um, you know, we were sort of like doing all odd things. I remember going and delivering leaflets in, in um, Hearn Hill and thinking, if I'd ever do a church plant again, I'm never doing one with hills, because we were just going up and down roads. <laughs> it was jolly hard work. So that was, that was the, um, the early days. And then sadly, um, things sort of went a bit awry with... Um, Andy not being well and him having to leave and there was a time when we didn't know if the church was going to survive and um, there was talk about whether it should go back into being part of Kings and by then 
not everybody was from Kings, so we were a whole mixture. There was people who wouldn't have gone back to Kings anyway, because they wanted to be something different than Kings. Not that I'm saying there's anything wrong with Kings, but they just wanted to be something different than Kings. And there were people that had joined us. I remember you were there, Ethel, weren't you, Pete, and yeah, Dan, and others, and yeah, and, and we'd come from like, a, they'd come from like a different churches, so they didn't know anything about Kings, so it was like, and, um, and then Owen came, and um, Owen was like, Owen was the saviour in a way, <laughs> as in, not the saviour, <laughs> but he, he, it was like, a, it was a great answer to prayer, because it was very much the unknown, and of course we knew who Owen and Pauline were, and we just thought, um, we just thought it was amazing that he would want to come <laughs> to us little band of mad people from um, <laughs> the big church in Capford. So um, that was that. And I think for us, we, we were like a part of the leadership team then. And, um, and then, then for us, I think, starts the hard bit because um, I think it was very hard. I don't know what Simon was saying this, but I think it was very hard for me to see that God would lead us in a different way than we thought we were being led for the time prior to Owen coming. And, and, and so all the sort of hopes that you have, you sort of think, well, how are they going to come about? You know, God said this word and God said that word. And I realise now, when I look back now, that God does things in different ways at different times and it's okay. But I think at the time I, was, I really struggled with that. I kept, I kept thinking, I think it's right that Owen's here. But I don't understand why he's doing this and doing that. And there was <laughs> it comes out all right in the end, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, there was great. There was there was like uh, there was a hardship there, and I think things were, for me things and for Simon things were taken away from us, and I personally found that really difficult. I think the hardest thing for me was when um, I was asked not to lead worship anymore, and that felt like. What are you doing, God? This is something that I really felt that I was called to do. And why was it taken away from me? So that was where my heart was. And so what my heart did was it just withdrew. And it never withdrew from God. And I always kept close to him and I knew that he was in me, in it with me. But I think I withdrew with regard to being part of Beacon and I was more on the, on the back and it's, that's like a self-protection thing, isn't it? That you do that because you don't want to get hurt anymore. And um, But, you know, God was so amazing through that time. I remember sort of I'd been in it about in this sort of like place of hurt and hardship. And it was, I mean, I, what you guys were saying on Sunday just so brought it all back to me about how, how you struggle with being, um, with things that go on for you. And um, I remember... We've got some friends that have moved to France and they've got a jeep, which is um, in a quarter of a mile up a country lane in the middle of nowhere. And I remember I just went out with my headphones on, praising God. And um, nobody could, all there was was cows. So you could be, you know, like when you've got your headphones, when I'm in the gym, I've got my headphones on. You might see my lips move, but I'm not sort of singing out anything. There, I was shouting out and singing out at the top of my voice sort of praising God, because I knew there was nobody around me. And I walked past this field, and God said really clear to me, get on your knees, get on the floor here. And I thought, I can't, I can't do that. You know what I thought? The 
be field mice. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just couldn't do it. So I carried on walking up the lane, and then when I got to the end of the lane, I walked back, and when I got back, I just knew that I had to do it. And so I literally got face down on the floor like this. And when I was down on the floor, I could see the field had been cut the day before. And where it had been cut by the combine harvester, the stubble that was sticking up was all sort of like sharp points and, and sort of cut away and sort of like sort of um, really sort of jagged edges and sort of like ripped apart. And God said to me really clearly that you're like this field. And he said, you've had things ripped away from you. He said, but he said to me, in this field, we'll grow another crop and it will be a different crop than the crop that it was in this field before. And I, I thought, well, I, I don't know what that meant. I didn't really understand it to begin with. And then as time went by and God began to heal me and, and heal the hurt, I realized that actually my life was changing and that I was being a different person than I was prior to me finding myself in that very hurt place. And I'm always grateful for that word and there's been other words there's loads of them but I don't want to bore you with all of them that have gone on throughout all of it and it, it's like God's um, keeping you through the good times and through the hard times and they, that was a really hard time for me and just like you were saying on Sunday Pauline there's, there's a time where you think yeah I'm this far on the journey but I'm not at the end there and uh, I got to a point where there was a point, I was talking to you guys about it on Friday, where Simon said, I think our time at Beacon is perhaps coming to an end. And I remember I was crying, crying, crying. And I realised that actually I didn't want to leave Beacon. So God had changed my heart, because I was ready to walk out 101 times, let me tell you, in my hurt. But I didn't. I didn't. And that's thanks to you, guys, you, Simon, because I would have gone. I would have gone. And <laughs> you kept me there. And God kept me there as well. And um, so there I am in this place of being slowly, slowly healed and being on this journey. And then I got to a point where I said to God, is it ever going to end? Is it ever going to end? Because it felt like I was moving, but is it ever going to come to a conclusion? And I found myself on this um, Dale way at a church. And this girl spoke about um, hurt and giving up giving up our hopes and giving up our dreams and giving up our hurt and just allowing God to come in and just take us to where he wanted to take us. And I thought, this is what I've got to do. This is what I've got to do. This is what I haven't done all along. I've always held on to a bit. I'm a stubborn old thing and I do hold on. And I knew I just had to let it go, let it go. And so I did let it go. And, and then about half an hour after I let it go, this woman came up to me and... Um, she said, I've got this picture for you, but I don't understand it. And she said, I see this field, and in this field is poppies, and the poppies are really bright poppies, red poppies in the field. And she said, and then I see another field, and I see a field with poppies where the flowers have gone and just the pods are there with all the seeds in it. And she said, I think that's, that's what God's saying to you, that you're like the, the poppy with all the seeds inside. And I immediately said... But I don't want to be that poppy. I want to be the red poppy in the field that's shining brightly and everybody sees it. And I realised when I said that, actually, this is what it's all about for me, that God's changing me to be something different. And I'm holding on to what I, I thought I wanted to be 
and what I hoped her would be, which was the past, really. And so, and I realised I just had to let it go. And I think since I've done that, it's come to an end, and it's finished. And when it finishes, I want to tell you, when it finishes, when you're in that place of hurt and it finishes, and then God just, just God just does stuff with you that you never could have imagined that He would do. And here I go getting upset again because He just takes you in a place where you never thought you would be. I've known this huge, huge freedom over this last year of him just letting go of and, and just allowing me to be me with God and it's not about in this case Beacon but whatever church you happen to be in it's not about the church it's all about your own relationship with God and I think that's what I've learned and that's it's been a really hard road but I found myself in this place of great delight now I, I'm really sad to be leaving Beacon but we do think it is the right thing to be doing and moving on. But that's where we find ourselves. And so my journey <laughs> is, um, I, I think he's led, me, he's led me away from things that I thought I were me, into like things like worship and leading groups and that sort of stuff. He's led me into this prophetic place that I've never really known before. And, um, and it's, it's so exciting and it's so amazing because it's all God, it's not me. And so it's like that allowing God to come in and use you wherever you are. And sometimes it feels like there's not much for you to be involved in or to get your head into. In, but you, that, that, it's not about that. It's not about that at all. It's just allowing yourself to be used by God in however he would use you because you're you. So that's where I find myself now. And um, I just... Uh, well, well, um, I, I do feel that God's been saying something. Um, oh, the other thing I would say is that at the marriage day that we went to, that Owen and Pauline did, oh, at the end you got us to go into twos and to um, just um, ask God for what your gifting is and what your ministry is. And um, we started to pray and I just suddenly burst out crying. Poor old Emma and Ben came over to us and they didn't know what on earth I was crying for. They thought our marriage was breaking up or something. And they were like praying for us. And actually, I was crying because I was just suddenly aware that actually the gifting over the years that we've both had, we've done so many different things. And so what I want to say to you here is that, you know, my experience is that God leads you into different things at different times. And don't get stuck in the rut of what you think, you know, what you think your gifting is, what you think your ministry is. Because if you're open to him, he will just move you on and on and on. And then you can look back and sort of see all the different things you've done. And it's just, it's, it's a, it was, I was overwhelmed by what he had done, which is why it was another crying moment. There seems to be many of them. So that's where I find myself. So, yeah. And I just, there's just a couple of things that I feel that God is saying to me to say for Beacon. And um, I think they're quite linked in, actually. So the word for beacon, um, I feel, is that... Um, glasses. <laughs> you know, we talk about beacon being a light on the hill. Um, but the light can only be as bright as beacon as a church is. And I think it's very easy to, for us as individuals within beacon to get caught up in beacon rather than get caught up in God. And if we find our eyes drifting away from God and into what's happening in the beacon, then we're not a perfect church because there isn't such a thing because we're not perfect. And so therefore we'll find, we'll find fault. 
we'll find fault with each other, we'll find fault with how things are going and what's happening and why am I being used there and why has that been decided has decided to happen? Why have the prayer meetings changed from a Tuesday to a Thursday when it's my so-and-so? There'll, there'll be all this nitty-gritty stuff which is totally irrelevant to us, but we will find ourselves as, as people getting involved in that. And what we've done if we do that is we've taken our eyes off of God. And so I, I just think it's a sort of like a warning for us as a church, like us, because I'm still here, um, <laughs> that we need to always be fixing our eyes on, on our Christ, on our Saviour, on our Lord, on whom we can depend, and not on what we see around us. We don't know why things that go on, what, what happens with us. And the other thing was for you, Owen, actually. <laughs> and I feel God would say to you to... Um, to feel that you can be in a place with the church where you can be vulnerable to the church. Um, but there's a place where you, you've, you've surrounded yourself with a few good men, <laughs> so to speak, and um, that you might find yourself being able to say it as it is to them. But there's a, there's a place where you need to be open and say it as it is for the church. And actually, when I was thinking about that, I was thinking, I was thinking back to Andy actually, and I was thinking, he he didn't seem able to do that, as far as I'm aware anyway. He sort of carried the hardship himself, and it led to a place where he couldn't carry on. And I think there's a place where you know times are going to be hard, and if you can find yourself in a place where you're reliant on the church. Which as a leader is a very hard thing to do, I think. Does that does that make sense? So I, I leave that with you. <laughs> <laughs> and I think actually they're linked together because it is all about if you if you're leaning on the church and the church is leaning on God because it's looking to God, it's like a, a whole thing. Anyway, I've spoken far too much, Simon. Well, I want to talk about my ministry. <laughs> <laughs> my ministry, and I've i read about this in Jonathan Edwards, no less, of being a shaking old man. And Jonathan Edwards, in the time of the Northampton, I believe it was in the revival time, he said there used to be this old man in the church. He used to shake. And I thought, gosh, I found my ministry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a old man. Oh, great. So I think you need to pray for a shaking old man. <laughs> I'm sure it's a very important ministry. <laughs> anyway, do you, do you know, um, if I could just talk about um, my experience at Beacon, I think ages ago I heard a tape by a man called Ian Andrews and um, he spoke of a vision he had and it was it was this and uh, the minister he felt what God was saying was I want my church back I want it from the leaders I want it from the elders I want my church back and when I came there was part of me that resounded in me and, uh, and in my heart. And then I, I've always felt that this is a church where God leads. And I, I think we should be so grateful because there are so many churches which are so 
as it were, dominated by the leadership and whatever, uh, that God doesn't get a look in. And I think the tremendous thing that we've seen in all our period of Beacon is that we've always sensed that the heart of the leadership is to do what God wants. And that is a tremendous, that is a tremendous thing. And I was looking for a church like that, and I found a church like that. You know, because we've moved all over the place into cinemas all over the place. But, you know, I, I just remember that word, and I think, yes, that, that's been a tremendous privilege to be in a church. And, you know, when God moves, it brings challenge. And like Kim was saying about her challenge, you know, oh, no, I can't. You know, worship's my, is, and yet, you know, God moves and, and he, he works within a church that looks to him. And um, it can involve difficulties and things you face, but it's that thing. And I sense, you know, that um, it's a great thing to be in a church which seeks the heart of God. And when you hear uh, what John shared about the milk, you just think, isn't that brilliant? Because the thing about um, Beacon, in my time in Beacon, has been that fact that there's always been, God's been doing something. We couldn't have done what was done unless God had been in it. And that, that sense, I think, and I hearing that story about how God provided the milk was just a reminder about how he's been involved in um, all that uh, has been involved. And we all make mistakes. Uh, James says, doesn't it, we all make mistakes. Yeah, we all, you know, we, we don't get it right. And that's good because then we know who we're looking to. And we're looking to him rather than ourselves because... James says we all make mistakes. <clears throat> um, when we were asked to uh, s to uh, speak, I don't know. I, you know, I am getting old. You know, but, um, you know, I my Bible reading was a, in Genesis chapter five, and if you look at Genesis chapter five, <clears throat> not a lot happens really. But it, it what it is. <laughs> It says, then Seth had lived five, uh, 105 years, he became father of Enosh, and then it, altogether Seth lived 912 years and then he died. And then you go and list, and then Enosh lived 905 years and then he died. And then, and then it goes on and goes on, and Kenan lived 910 years and then he died. <laughs> and I just thought, Dear, that's God's verdict on his people's lives. <laughs> they lived and they died after a certain period of time. And I thought, wow, dear. It seemed too, altogether too exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, wouldn't that be a terrible thing for our testimony to be? Well, but I lived and then I died. And you, like, you think of, like, you look at, sometimes you go through... Um, graveyards, and it might be that I am getting old, <laughs> graveyards and things, and I did actually see so-and-so and so-and-so, lamented by all who knew him, and you think, is that in his life, or was it when he 
<laughs> and then there was the famous Spike Milligan, you know, I told you I was ill, and, and things like that. But, um, you know, that's, the fact is that our life is hid with Christ. And although the world might not recognise us, he does recognise us. And we are precious to him, as we've been reminded tonight. And I just want to read um, Colossians chapter 3, because I, you know, my heart's desire is the presence of God. That's what I want. I love that, you know, Josh, for that song, you know, where suddenly God moves and everything stops. Mm. And we see his glory. And um, this, uh, this Colossians chapter 3, and it says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on the things above, <coughs> where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And then he says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And I think, what that is the order, isn't it? It's to see his glory. And then, you know, you think, this is better than anything else the earth, the earth has to offer is to um, experience um, Jesus, knowing him, being hidden in him. And I was just moved um, by, um, I, I can't go without quoting Selwyn Hughes. <laughs> I'm sorry. But this is a very, um, it's, oh, it, yeah, I, I might get emotional here. <laughs> you know, but um, he speaks about, the time when he he lost his wife, uh, she died of cancer. My father, just three weeks later, <coughs> died. And in recent years, my only two sons. And he couldn't, there was a time where it hit him uh, that he couldn't pray. And all he could pray was Jesus. Jesus, and he just kept saying that word. And you think this was a man whose life was hidden in Christ, and that was. And he said, when he when he prayed, I would utter the name Jesus a hundred times during the day, and also when I lay awake at night, just one word said over and over again, Jesus, 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 was more powerful than the most eloquently formed prayer. And it never failed to bring God incredibly close. And you think, yes, you know, that's what it's all about. And it were, like Kim was saying about church life and getting involved in church and all that sort of thing, but ultimately, it's that our lives are hid in Christ. And he is the one uh, who just thrills us. He is the one who transforms us. And, um, and it, 
and he's the one who, when he looks on our lives, won't say, well, they lived and they died. But he's the one <coughs> who uh, will make our lives so much better. And that encouragement to use those gifts that God has given us. Now, it's quite funny. Years ago, people prayed, somebody prayed for me, and this uh, prayed about healing hands. And, and you sometimes you forget and you don't doesn't occur and on Sunday when it was that healing time I suddenly thought oh yeah <laughs> 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 I should go out and pray for healing <laughs> <laughs> it's to use those gifts because they bring him glory Done. <laughs> what? We're done. <laughs> We're done. Yeah. Uh, it's been amazing listening to your contributions and what what you've learned, even though it's only been for half an hour or so. It's been amazing. Um, I don't really know what to sort of say in response, actually, but I'm incredibly grateful for what you've both brought to my life. And. Um, I'm sure the fruit actually that you will leave with Beacon will be far bigger than what you probably even realise. Um, I'm very, very grateful for both of you for what you've brought to us. I think it'd be really good for us to, to pray for Kim and Simon. Um, and just pray that God will continue to bless them with what they've got next. Um, and then we'll just see maybe if you guys want to stand and maybe just stand in the middle and we'll just gather around and just ask God to come and speak. me to share part of their life and their story and the impact that they've had on my life as I care for people. I thank you for their love, which comes unconditionally. It's an example to me. I thank you for their joy, Kim's as well as I. shared that with us. Yeah, they haven't kept it to themselves. Which is a great attribute that you've given them. God, I just ask that you continue to teach them, continue to develop them, Lord. Continue to show them a path and a journey that you've placed them on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
future in faith that you've sent them on. Make it a fun-filled journey, Lord. reminded me because in, in so many ways church and the way church functions has, has moved on and, and, and the testimony that you gave tonight well both of you actually would be quite unique in church today to be able to talk about coming through your hurt like you did mm -hmm. Simon for you to talk about you know Selwyn's a week a while ago and to 
talking about the, the inspiration of that in you, your, your passion for a church that, that God leads. In some ways, in, in, in the modern world, that's not how church functions. And yet, there's something about you that has, you've not bowed the knee to that. You've not kissed modern church. You've, you've just held on to God. You've just held on to him. And though that, that ride has been rocky and tricky, you've held on to him. And you've allowed him to take you through that. When you yourselves would have And then the other picture I have just is of the, you know, the, the series, the, the, the banded brothers, and at, and at the end when they are they're saying, um, when they first sort of go into battle, they're a bit naive, um, they're a little bit sort of wet behind the ears, and they don't really know what they're doing, and they end up in the midst of this battle where they have to take ground. There are casualties, but as a group, they hold on. They hold on. And I just feel that that's what you've done. That you, you, you described it yourselves. We were a little bit naive. We, we came out here wanting to take the world for Jesus. But, but, but really, you went into the midst of an onslaught, and holding on was enough. Just, just holding on, just, just taking that little bit of ground was enough. They were casualties, and they were, they were people that got got taken out the battle. But you were part of that band that just held on. And so, as you go, you 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 can really go uh, totally at peace because you did your bit, and you did your bit. And actually, in that process, God has changed that, and you've allowed that to happen. And that means that when you go to where you're going, you will be ever so. Because you won't have stuff. You just won't have stuff. You, you'll be ever so fruitful, ever so at peace. And you'll probably look back and you'll think, oh, that was those great days. You'll look back on it, um, but you'll be so fruitful down the road. Uh, because you found yourselves. In this whole thing, you found yourselves. It's like when the war came to an end and they, they went back to, to civilian life. And, you know, ever so grateful. Just sense that for you guys that you, you've been an absolute like blessing mm. to this church, mm. and although there'll be a gap, we're not looking to you; we're looking to him. Mm. He fills gaps, mm. and as you, as you said, him, you know, we move through our lives doing different things, and, and, and God will fill that gap in another way. earlier when you were saying the, the freedom that you've experienced over the last year um, just felt God remind me of the verse you shall know the truth and the truth is, shall set you free um, and just as you move to heaven um, just a reminder that um, God wants to remind you of that verse 
and as you've been set free and as you've experienced that, just mm -hmm. to remind you that you, you take that with you um, to the people that you're going to meet, be it your neighbours, be it people in the churches, the, the church that you go to that are free, and mm -hmm. just whoever you come across, just to remember that verse about you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free, and it's not just to set you free, it's actually for them. God to be able to use you for others to be set free as well um, and just that he's been preparing that in you and it's a personal journey but also he wants you um, to share that with other people um, and the other thing that I felt God saying is that as you're, as you're moving down there and I know you said that it's a retirement city and probably really quiet and completely different to London but just remember that it's the same God <laughs> so you're not necessarily moving to have a quieter life where you're going to put around in the garden. You may do those things, but actually be expectant that there's still exciting things for you. And it's not about whether you're in London or not. It's not about whether you're in Brixton or not. It's about the fact that God is God and that he wants to do an exciting work in Pagham as much as he does in Brixton. And, and just to be willing to be open for him to use you in whatever way um, that he wants to. Yeah, I want to confirm what you said. I had the, the bizarre pictures. I I had a picture in relation to you. Can you do you know do you know the monkey that that wanted the honey in the jar? You know they used to trap monkeys like that. That they used to put their hand in the jar to get no, to get the nuts. Sorry, to get the nuts, and they'd fill their hand up with the nuts, and then they couldn't get they couldn't get it out. They had to let go of the nuts to get their hand out, and. Um, I felt a few things. I felt that that obviously was your journey. You said, and you know, when you're holding on to those nuts, you can't move anywhere. You are you are stuck where you're at, and you try and hold on to them, you can't move. But I, you know, I, I can hear your story, and I can see you you let go of that, and and then I saw this monkey just flinging and flying and swinging through the trees, and just the freedom was amazing. And and I, I felt actually I was going to say that actually people are going to see that freedom in you, just like. I don't know if brothers are like this, I'm, I'm, I'm really attracted to watching monkeys going crazy, you know, when you see them doing all these acrobatics, there's something very desirable, very interesting, and it captivates you, doesn't it? And, uh, and I just think people are going to see that freedom in you, you know, you have been set free, you, you've, you've moved from that stationary position of holding on stuff, mm -hmm. and you found this freedom, and you're just flying around the trees doing somersaults, and, and, and I, think, uh, I think that relates to what Apple said, I think. Where, where you're going next, you're going to, just by being free in God, as you've experienced, you're, people are going to see that. They're going to be attracted to it. They're going to be drawn to you. They're going to be looking at you and, and wondering. And, and, and I, I feel that's going to be something that you're going to be different of voices when you move wherever you are at. inspiring and stirring mm -hmm. and I, I found that personally mm -hmm. so we thank you for that Lord um, and Lord we know that you came to, to serve not to be served and mm -hmm.
fully look at Simon. <laughs> I've never known anyone or heard of anyone who um, imitates you in that way. Um, so Father, we do, we just want to honour them. We want to lift them before you. We want to ask that you're rich as a blessing upon them. Lord, we ask that what they've learned in you, what they know of you, that it would go so much deeper, that, that they would look back in 10, 20 years' time and realise that our oh, feet may just scratch the surface, Lord, but the kindness of your grace, of your mercy. And Lord, so we, uh, Lord, we just ask as, as they uh, leave us, uh, Lord, that you would uh, be with them in greater measure, that they would know your presence uh, oh, so much more in the mornings uh, when they're with you, in the evenings when they're with you. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would continue to strengthen their marriage and bless them. Uh, Lord, that they would really experience uh, the grace of God, uh, the kindness of a Saviour, Lord, as they leave us. And Lord, we just honour them and we thank you uh, for who they are, Lord. Reminded of when I first came speaking, uh, me, Simon, John, and a few others would submit to breakfast and pray and read your word, and just a, a great time of just getting to know Simon and just seeing Jesus shine out of Simon. I could see Jesus in, in Simon, Lord, and um, it was really attractive by that. And um, I was just thankful for who he is. Um, yeah, just his, his wisdom. Uh, acceptance of, of others um, I thank you Lord for Kim as well and the, that infectious laugh that we're all going to miss Lord God that, that joy which abundant joy that she is Lord and we just pray Lord God that you would um, bless them we thank you uh, for everything shared tonight and uh, your honesty and how uh, that transformation and how this product is this, this painful process we all go through when Jesus brings us through change Lord and we thank you Lord that um, yeah you done some pruning, it's been painful, Lord, but we're going to be fruit, Lord, as uh, they go down on you, Lord, and just um, thank you for them, just want to see your blessing upon them, and yeah, the desire to give time where they would really grow deeper and deeper in love with you, that they really, that your word would just, yeah, just, they'd just learn more about your word, Lord, as they, they just spend more time uh, meditating on your word, and yeah, intimacy would just grow deeper and deeper, and yeah, you just want to know about and I think it I think it's for you and there's something about you're someone who notices little things uh, you notice when there's no tea left or we've run out of tea bags and that sort of thing you notice little things and actually I think there's something that God wants to affirm in you about that but you may not feel that that's necessarily particularly significant but he he regards it as incredibly significant because he is the one who notices little things. And he loves that about you, that you notice little things. And there's something about you also stirring up the gift of God in you again around your healing hands. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that. And Jesus was one who reached out his hands when he noticed little things, mm -hmm. things that were despised mm -hmm. and things that were rejected and people who sat at the wayside. 
and beggars who were blind who called out who everybody wanted to ignore. And that's in you. And he's saying to you, you're coming into a season where you can reach out those healing hands. We don't just have to look. We don't just have to have your heart broken by what you see. Actually, reach out the healing hands. He's got mm. his spirit is on you for that. Mm. His Holy Spirit is on you to reach out those healing hands. And there've been many times I think when you have, when your heart has been broken by what you've seen, because you notice little things, and you notice people who are hurting, and you notice those who are despised by society, and sometimes your heart breaks over it. Mm. And now he's saying he's bringing you into a season where. Not only will your heart continue to break, but actually your hand will start to reach. And you are to just start to reach out your hand. And there will be power in your hands. There will be power to bring deliverance. There will be power to bring healing. There will be, be power to bring restoration. There will be power to transfer the love of God to those who are, who are loveless. And so you're going to move into a season, I believe, where you're not just going to walk past and Yeah. <laughs> 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 don't, don't just 